You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where we are on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations, especially our nonprofit friends, to think outside the box, move beyond limiting labels and beliefs, and create a profound impact in the world that they intend to. We also do this by sharing accomplished and inspiring guests, many of which who have overcome their own challenges or limiting beliefs, um, and they've pursued and accomplished personal and professional goals all the time, helping others along the way, whether intentional or as a byproduct of moving forward in the truth of who they are. So today, I'm excited to share with you a guest that I recently met. She's pretty phenomenal. I'm going to read some of her bio to you just because I do that, and it reminds me of how great it is to meet people you don't know and how much richness there is around all of us when we take a minute to look. So our guest guest today, our guest today is Stephanie Quinu. She is a three-time Emmy Award-winning communicator and video uh, and a media coach, not just a video coach. But think about it, she has nearly two decades of experience as a TV news journalist that's thinking on your feet, being quick, getting stories out that are impactful. And she has graced national outlets such as CNN, NBC, and Fox, as well as local numerous stations. So her journey in journalism, that's a nice alliteration, led her to a profound realization that communication can be a source of stress for even the brightest minds. I was so happy to hear that. So Drawing upon her psychology degree from Wellesley College and her extensive background in communication, Stephanie founded Stephanie Quinu Coaching, and her mission is to empower individuals to communicate with confidence, clarity, and impactful connection. And with that, she brings a wealth of her experience and knowledge to leaders and teams and her ability to communicate clearly and with impact. So with that, let's Formally welcome Stephanie Quinu to the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. I am so excited to be here, Sarah. I have to say, thank you for inviting me. I am, I cannot wait for this conversation because I think it's going to be exciting, at least on my end, hopefully for everyone. But I'm, I, have I'm to, I always have a good time. So <laughs> it'll be exciting for me as well. So, but I want to ask you to share, you have a, a unique background. So listeners, I had the opportunity just as an offline conversation with Stephanie, even before we decided to do the podcast, we just got to know each other a little bit. And um, so I think you have an interesting background. So can you share a little about that growing up, your heritage background, and then how the heck you decided journalism was for you? Oh my gosh. Well, journalism was for me was almost like accident, but rewinding way back when, uh, you know, it's so interesting that what we take for granted and find mundane or normal can be 
surprising and exciting for someone else. So, yeah, I mean, I was born in France, actually, and the compromise that my parents came up with. So my dad is French, born and raised in Paris, very French. I mean, you think about it. He likes to every morning wake up and buy a baguette and he will put it under his arm with his beret. I mean, you think you can't make this up. He lives and breathes that. My mom actually is, well, she's Chinese. She was born in Taiwan, moved to Queens, New York when she was nine years old, which is how she learned English through cartoons and TV. They connected in France, which is where I was born. And then the compromise was my mom was like, "Mm -mm, we are living in the States. And so that's where I grew up. I was born in France, but I grew up in the United States. Um, Fast forward many years and as one tends to do, you really don't think about the future when you're young. And my mom said, you know what, Stephanie, now probably would be a good time to kind of figure out what you want to do with your life. I'd always loved to write. And when I was little, what I would do for presents is I would write stories for my family. And in particular, for whatever reason, they were like mystery murders when I was like eight. (laughs) But I just, (laughs) I know, and I actually, so I illustrated as well, and I wish I had one of those those examples. My mom still has them at her house, my parents' house, but I just, I loved to be creative. It was this, this outlet that was just a natural extension of who I was, and it was something that I found so fulfilling as a child, so I thought, you know what, I want to I want to create. So I thought writing because that's just what I was used to. And then I wrote for the the college newspaper. They didn't have TV as a department. There was there was none of that. And you know, sometimes I feel like some of the the biggest and best opportunities come from the biggest obstacles, right? The biggest obstacles are often our best opportunities. We just need to wake up and realize that. So for me, I would get these edits back and it would be covered in red. You know, for those creatives, you you get it. And it was like, oh, well, okay, you didn't like that. I I can't be so creative in this vein. And I thought maybe writing isn't for me. It's very structured. Of course, it has to be. Grammar has to be on point. You know, sentences can't have dot, dot, dots after it, which is kind of how I think. And my mom said, you know what? Have you ever thought about TV news? And I thought, no. Like, why would anyone think about that? But she said, well, I think you'd be really good at it. You're curious. You love to know. You ask a million questions. I think maybe you try that. And so I did. I got an internship with the NBC station in Boston, and it was addictive. The fact that I got to ask important people and that is everyone, really interesting questions. And I had access to them simply because of my role. And I just, I couldn't look back. I, I love to know I'm such a curious person. I love to connect and really step into all these worlds. It's such a privilege to be able to do that. And that's really, I kind of stumbled on it. I didn't major in it. I actually majored in psychology. I kind of stumbled in on it, and it was it was game over for me at that point. It's interesting when I think about your mom, 
I think she would crack me up because you said they compromised. My mom told my dad we were living in the States. I'm going, okay, I don't think that's a compromise. I think that's, <laughs> that's like us saying, here's how it's going, lovey. Yes. I mean, and I love their relationship because my mom is such a strong, opinionated woman. My dad is, it's like this. My mom is like fire. She'll crackle and she'll pop and she'll make a lot of noise. My dad is like water. He's quiet, but he's just as strong. It's a different type of strength. Yeah. Well, water, you you know, it's quiet, but it'll wear you down. But guess what? They are now living back in France. (laughs) It it. may have taken him decades, but he got it. He's there now. Well, and the fact that she was so clear with you about your ability to communicate, but like just saying, maybe this is a different route, you know, like being invested in you, but not limiting you, not saying, well, you've done all this college. How come you don't just keep pushing on into something that feels restrictive to you? And I feel like it is so important and I and I have guided my own and it's still in the infancy stage, you know, with my kids. I mean they're six and four, but allowing people the ability to discover mm-hmm. and giving them that support and the guidance, but giving them that freedom is something that I cherish because I know now as a parent, that was a big leap of faith for them. My mom, you both, um, you know, as I mentioned, did not grow up in the, well, we're not born in the United States. So they're immigrants. And my dad, you know, came from a very working class background. His father was um, a mail carrier. His mother never graduated college. And my mother was raised by a single mom. Her dad died in a car accident when she was nine. And so I understand how important education was. So my mom became a doctor. My dad became a computer engineer. And to allow me the freedom to delve into this foreign world of not just communication, but TV. And I just, I I didn't appreciate it because I feel like very few young people can fully appreciate that support that is hands off but always there and my gosh I mean they have changed my life in so many ways but I see I see that so clearly now and I'm just I'm so grateful to have had that I think you're so right about that though because when I reflect back like when people say who do you look up to I'm thinking my mom always because I knew she had my back but she wasn't telling me it was kind of like oh no you could do that um or I think I should do this. But she was just very supportive. I mean, I remember at 16, yeah, because I wasn't legal age yet. And I said, (laughs) this is what I'm going to do. You know, I got this plan, and in two years, we're going to drive, my boyfriend and myself, at the time I said, we're going to drive across the top of the Canada, go to Montreal for the Olympics, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to go in my Volkswagen van, which I got to tell you, Stephanie, was not like a rock-solid vehicle. (laughs) <laughs> my mom she didn't she didn't blink an eye and she goes that sounds great what what's your first steps and I said I think I better get the tickets right because they had lottery stuff so anyway she never doubted that it would happen my boyfriend's parents on the other hand were mortified no. but I will tell you we went so um but there's and even throughout my whole life it's always been that kind of like that quiet we're there 
we can't do a lot for you. It's on you to get it done. But it, when you have that kind of support, you see it in retrospect, I think, more so than in the moment. I mean, you yeah. can feel supported in the moment, but I think the impact of it kind of hits you later. And especially like with you raising your kids. It's amazing. I do remember I have this, this, this conversation that I still go back to and I, I hadn't yet landed my first TV job. I was working as a barista at Starbucks at the time, part time to get the health insurance. And I was also working, not getting paid at a community access news station, which is where I really cut my teeth. But I knew exactly what my purpose was. And I was sending out and at the time, they were actually VHS tapes. So you don't just send the link. So I'd go to the <laughs> post office with a stack of tapes. And I would just send them out into the world and never hear back. But I had this, again, youthful naivete slash confidence that is so incredibly powerful. And I kept doing this for months. And my dad, I remember, I, I went with him to an attorney's office for his business. And he said, as we were in the waiting room, he turned to me and he said, Stephanie, what is your plan B? And I was slightly offended. And I said, Papa, because that's what I call him because I'm French, I said, Papa, I don't have a plan B. <laughs> it's plan A or bust. And he said, Okay. And that was it. And then, yes, a month later, uh, after I did have one failed interview that was fantastic because it taught me such an incredibly important lesson that I've carried with me through the rest of my life. I got an interview. I, I got the job, drove sight unseen to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. If anyone's been there, it's about a population of, oh, I don't know, 2,000 people. But Again, that that conversation, for whatever reason, has remained ingrained and very vividly in my mind because, of course, as a parent, you're worried. I mean, we all are, right? For our loved ones, we're worried. So what is your plan B? But it's not like he necessarily pushed back or tamped down on my dream. He allowed me that naivete. And again, it's Gosh, I, I just I'm so grateful for that support. And you're right, it's in retrospect that that I now have this immense sense of of gratitude. You know, let's move into communication and the work you do today because when you talked about that sense of naivete, I think that oftentimes if we can approach things with that, or sometimes people say beginner mind and stuff, but assuming that we know nothing, right? We go out with that exuberance and we try something right so for you it was getting the tapes out there that's a huge vote of confidence in yourself to do that over and over right but I'm thinking about when you start working with folks now you, you work with executives and leaders from different areas right when you start working with them what is their main request of you like why do they come to you they're what they're saying Stephanie help me fix this right what is that it that they're looking for from you well, I think one is they have, they acknowledge their lack of clarity. And I think that is the most important step, right? I mean, they, they say that acceptance is, is the first step. And I think acknowledging 
what your strengths are is so important, and also acknowledging the areas for opportunities of growth. And I think it takes a very strong and insightful, reflective person to recognize that in themselves. And so a lot of times it is, I acknowledge that there is this lack of clarity that I have when it comes to communication for a, a variety of reasons. Maybe it's, I need to access my authentic self. How do I do that? How do I really go there? Can you help me on this journey? Or maybe it's, there's a lack of clarity. I know who I am, but how do I communicate that with someone else? How do I connect with someone else on this incredibly powerful level? And so it's a variety of things, but I think the first step is, I mean, we have to do a lot of work before we get there. And I, I do work every day. It's a lifelong journey, but I say a little bit more about that work though. I sometimes think, um, and I'll hear people, well, I just want to get this little nugget. So say someone went, I'm going to work with Stephanie for two or three months and I'll have it figured out. Right. Um, but when you say it's a lifelong process, it really is, right? So can you say more about that? Because I don't think that's discouraging at all to know that getting better is forever. No, I think, and you know, and and I and I had this thought the other day, and I just I I love I, I love the analogy because I believe it first of all, but each one of us is a superhero, and if we view it like that. One, it lifts us up, gives us confidence. But effective communication is a superpower. Walking into a room knowing that we are going to walk away from that situation with the exact result that we intended to receive. And my mission is to ignite that superpower within every superhero. And it's exciting and it's empowering. And I and I want people to view it like that because if we can communicate, and it's beyond words, I mean, truly it's about connecting. If we can connect with one another and connect with our purpose and share that purpose with others, the opportunities are endless. I mean, there is no limit to what we can do and how we can impact the world. And it starts really with communication connection, and then, of course, clarity. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait. Click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, &R, little learning, support one another and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. So I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about some of your essential practices that your participants and clients and folks you work with um, implement. Yes, 
So I, so my degree is in psychology. I'm a huge believer in mindset management. Our mind, I believe, is our most powerful tool because what we think influences how we feel, which then in turn influences what we do, how we act, and that in turn influences the end result. So our thoughts can become reality. Absolutely. If we think about a certain situation one way and we feel about it, that impacts how we act. And then again, that impacts the end result, which is why they say don't psych yourself out. Because it's so true is that we are often our biggest hurdles for true success. And I mean, I have had many personal experiences with that, right? The self-doubt creeps in, maybe the imposter syndrome creeps in. So I really like to work with clients on mindset management and taking them through actual practices and techniques that work, that not only create clarity, but create this, this foundation of confidence. So they are ready to go. And I actually, so I did a big event a couple of days ago, and I went through my list of various Techniques. So one, absolutely, I love it, power poses. So I walked through that. I, I really am a big believer in giving gratitude. So I spoke out loud what I was grateful for. I have this technique called dare to dream, which is a visualization technique. But so often we don't give ourselves ter- permission to go there. It's scary to go there. And it's scary to give yourself permission to view your life as it could be, right? The ultimate life. And it's actually really scary when we allow ourselves to think about success because we are allowing ourselves the potential then to fail and to fall short and to feel judged and embarrassed. But this visualization technique is so powerful because it gives ourselves permission to dream, to dream of the life that we want, to achieve the goal that we want, to have the desired outcome that we truly secretly want. And visualizing that is so amazing. So I actually walk through all of these practices myself before stepping on the stage. And of course, preparation is key. You can't just wing it. But it was a fantastic event. But again, it's all about using those tools practicing them. So that's a huge part of it. Um, Body language, I'm a huge fan of. Voice, yes, appearance for better or for worse, but that does influence you. I feel good, therefore I I act better. I'm more confident. It's not about how you look, it's about how you feel, but a lot of times how you look can influence how you feel. And really just the messaging and honing in on the why and not the what. I mean, I could talk for days, but really, I mean, these are not just abstract ideas. These are actual methods and strategies that I put into place to to really help. I think you should talk a little bit more because when um, I'm listening to you, those are, you know, you say them so easy, right? And they are, they are simple. They are easy, but they have to be practiced. Yes. So I'm. I'm thinking about um, 
if I were starting out and maybe I haven't been doing presentations or speaking on a stage uh-huh. and I'm new and I'm representing my organization, it's a two-part question. I'm trying to figure out which flips. Let me start with this. How would, uh, What of that list, if I could do one or two things, would help me the most to walk out and actually not just project confidence, but feel centered and confident in a way of the few things you mentioned, where would you say, Sarah, if you could only do this, do this? Start with your why. It all boils down to why. Why am I here sharing this message? And I think a lot of lack of confidence, anxiety stems from the fact that we haven't done the work to really distill what is my why? And I think once you find your why, why am I here? Why am I in this role? Why am I sharing this message? Why should the audience connect with me and listen to me and care about what I am saying? Once we can answer the why, you will immediately feel that anxiety melt away because you have clarity as to your purpose. So I always start with, Let's talk about your why. And that, I mean, my gosh, that results in so many light bulbs flashing. And it does. Sometimes it takes a lot of work to get to the why. We're resistant a lot of times with the why. We're comfortable with the what. Well, okay, so this is what I'm going to be talking about. But why? Why are you talking about it? Why are you there? Why are you the best person to be sharing that message? And it requires people to go deeper, to peel back the layers, to really understand the fundamental reason for that moment that they are going to be experiencing and sharing. And so that would be the singular most important aspect that I could share with anyone. And that could be in your professional life, right? At a board meeting or presentation, that could be in your personal life. When you're on a first date, and you've never met the person, maybe it's a blind date, or maybe you have a little bit. Well, why am I here? Why why am I sharing what I am sharing? You know, why should they care? It goes back to the why. And what I love is that you can use this in every single moment, in every single aspect of your life. And it will, it is transformative once you figure that out. And of course, the why can change from situation to situation. Mm-hmm but it still remains that question. That's so brilliant. It's a, when I listen to you speak about that, it reminds me of another question frequently that I have to have for myself. Like when I'm in dialogues, especially if they start getting dicey, um, is like, okay, is what I'm saying, my why, why I'm speaking, is that actually contributing or just letting me feel like I have some sort of whatever, right? Like I'm contributing being bossy, just want to have my voice in the game. And oftentimes when I say, why am I saying this? I just go, there's no need to say this. It's been said, you don't need to reiterate it, you know, but that is so great, Stephanie. And now I'm, I have a presentation coming up in two weeks and I was thinking that was what I needed to hear today. So as there are no, no um, coincidences, this interview happened today because I think I needed to be reminded of that. So thank you. Well, you know, you brought up children because I think we were having this conversation before the official podcast and we're talking about children, how they are 
um, they're, they're pure. And what they say can be so profound because it is said with such simplicity. And I think that's what we forget is that simple is incredibly powerful. But you mentioned that because it triggers the why. And you've gone through this stage, but my kids, well, why? Well, why, mommy? Why? And it is like 12 answers down the road that it's like, oh, well, that's why. And they have taught me so much when it comes to life, but also communication, because they will just hammer me. And I, I hate the answer, well, because I said so, or it's just the way that it is. So I will go along with it, but they actually provided me with a very powerful exercise and they are relentless and they will not stop until they're satisfied with the answer to why. And I mean, my gosh, I counted once and I think it was about 12 why that my son Noah finally said, oh, okay. <laughs> was well, like, wow. But think about it. It's like they're saying in their own way, cut to the chase, mom. What's this yes. really about? Yes. Right? If you were a grown up, you'd say, Stephanie, quit dancing around this. Can you tell me what you really want from me? Because I can listen to you. So. Yes. And I thought all of my answers were, were, were quite good. They weren't good enough. So again, <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> and I was like, but I thought that was good. I mean, I really did think about it. I reflected. It wasn't a blanket response but it still wasn't good enough. So again, I mean, it, it just, it can take some time. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth, but to get to that point, it is, I mean, it's incredibly empowering and it just, it's almost like the, the fog lifts and you can see it so clearly and you're thinking, gosh, this is what it's all about. Yeah. So um, the other part of a question I have for you is, around the communication. But, you know, I was thinking about this from when leaders have to sit down. So they want to be themselves, but they also feel responsible for representing their organization. So how do you help folks who feel like if I show up as me, if I show up as Sarah and how I normally talk, but they're expecting this thing, mm -hmm. how do you help reconcile that so that people can stay authentic while still being professional? Yes. No, it is so important to align. And so what I what I often do is because it, it, this really does come down to what I would call branding. I am a huge believer in being your authentic self. But again, we have to be realistic, right? It has to it has to make sense. And so we are all individual brands. But what I recommend for anyone representing an organization or a company is Determine and really understand your company's brand and then align your brand. So, for instance, and I, and, I, and I use this as an example, McDonald's, right? McDonald's is one of the most powerful brands in the world. You ask someone to talk about McDonald's and they'll probably use the same, you know, five or ten word description. So, McDonald's brand, you know, as we know, it's not their french fries, it's not the McFlurry, it's not the hamburgers. Their brand is fun, it's convenient, it's affordable, it's delicious. So that's their brand and I think pretty much everyone knows, okay, if I go to McDonald's, I'm not gonna break the bank. It's gonna be hopefully a fun experience, you know, especially with the Happy Meal toys. It's gonna be delicious, otherwise you don't go there. You know, it's going to be accessible. It's pretty easy to do. I'm going to enjoy this experience. 
So then, you know, and I always share with people, well, think about McDonald's. McDonald's has been around for many, many years. And during those many, many years of being in existence, they've had many, many spokespeople. And these spokespeople are unique. So for instance, the last Super Bowl, their spokespeople were Cardi B and Offset, you know, two very popular rappers. But they've also had spokespeople like Tony Hawk, the pro skateboarder. They've had Heidi Klum, who was a supermodel and now a mogul. They've had BTS, the Korean boy band. They've had so many individual people who on the surface are completely different. They represent very different, unique personal brands. And yet, they all also connect and align with the ultimate overall brand. They're all representing fun. They're all representing, you know, easygoing and they're enjoying this delicious food. So it's really figuring out what aspects of myself as the brand, my authentic self, align with the personalities, the brand, the mission of my organization and of my company and find those common threads and lean into them. Perfect. Um so I did reach out to a professional this morning because I was already speaking with her on some other things. And I said, hey, I'm going to be interviewing Stephanie today. And I know that you have a question in you that you want me to ask you. And so she's asking from the viewpoint of a nonprofit executive okay. um, and her board. So there, and I've worked with them in the past. They're really focused on their messaging this next couple of years, both from an outreach perspective, just for more brand visibility, as well as increasing their funding and sustainability and getting people to know who they are. They're one of those best kept secrets, right? It's like, you never want to be that. So I asked her, I said, what would you ask Stephanie? And she said, well, I think I would ask her for small rural organizations, what would be the most effective use of time and energy to make sure we stay relevant? And she's meaning in the minds of those that we're trying to connect with. I would say think outside the box. I think so many organizations, including nonprofits, there is this traditional path that everyone goes down. And it's the strategy that has been tried and true. And I think for very established, large nonprofits, that works. They're established, they're known, they don't necessarily have to deviate from that traditional strategy. But for small, relatively unknown organizations, you need to think outside the box. And that can be incredibly scary. Now, whether that is outreach, whether that is social media strategy, the point is you want to gain exposure in a good way. But to do so, you need to stand out and separate yourself from all of the other larger organizations who are more established. And you do do that by forcing yourself to be creative. There is no such thing as a bad idea. A bad idea is no idea, right? There's no such thing as a, as a wrong question. The only wrong question is the question you don't ask. So it's about thinking outside the box but also tapping into your surroundings, asking people, okay, so what is it? I mean, ask, ask, ask. 
So what is it? What would get your attention? You know, ask that question to every single person you meet. What is it? Tap into this incredible brain force that we are surrounded with every single day. It doesn't matter if it's at the grocery store, at the car wash, at the park. It's not about necessarily promoting your organization, although you're doing it. It's really getting to know your audience, which is every single person out there. But people love to be asked. People mm -hmm. feel special when they are asked for their opinion or their advice or their expertise. And so by asking people, just curious, like, what is it? And you could get a million different answers, which is fantastic, because then you have a million different ways of getting your organization out there to the world. And the great thing is, this is all free. Asking someone is free. Thinking outside the box is free. And then, of course, tailoring that strategy to what is feasible for your organization. But I would say, well, two things, right? So she gets a bonus one. But yeah, thinking outside the box and just asking, really just asking, because it's amazing what you'll what you'll find out. These jewels of information that are just hanging out there waiting to be plucked. Yeah, that was one you said. Did you have another? Well, no. I mean, thinking outside the box would be okay. one, and then and asking. asking. Okay. Yes. So I want to I want to pull on that string just a second. So. I know some of the stuff they're planning to do, and some of it's going to be convenience with, um, let's just say, service clubs, like large. But, you know, when you're saying that and how simple it could be, I'm just wondering if you just asked people and you had maybe only had five minutes, right? But everybody had an index card and you wrote that. You said, what all we want from you, we're not asking for donations, is to answer this question. And what gets your attention? What do you think? I think one of the most important questions is, why do you, specifically for um, nonprofits, charitable organizations, why do you donate to the organizations that you donate to? And again, there are many different reasons. Maybe it's habits. Maybe it's the connection. They're an alumni or, you know, but there are also organizations that people really have had no personal connection to. And yet they feel connected. And so why do you donate? And then beyond that, well, what is that connection? And how did you create that connection? How was that connection established? And to really understand the journey that they themselves took to get to that point. Was it, you know, was it the, I mean, and much of it, I'm sure, was being, you know, the organization itself was being proactive, but also, for many of us, we like to do further research. We like to really get to know an organization before we donate or affiliate ourselves with that organization. So I would say these are the questions. Ask, ask a person to take you on that journey, on their personal journey through not only the exposure, because that's important, but then further beyond that, the connection that they created because they are the ones who truly are creating it. I can give you an organization and say, this is an amazing mission. But if the person, let's say it's me and you're, you're telling me, Sarah, Stephanie, there's this amazing organization. Their mission is critical to the well-being of our community, X, Y, and Z. As the receiver of that, I can hear it and then I can reject it. 
And I can say, Sarah, thank you so much. It's not for me or not today. So really, as the recipient, we are the ones in charge. We are the ones in control of that connection. So asking people their journey towards accepting and creating that connection is so important. That's so great, because as you're saying that, and you know, and like, I think some of the organizations we donate to don't know us from Adam, right? Because we're not, we're not like the big pocket donators, you know, but we're consistent over the years and the same organizations. But the truth is, each one of them we have a connection to in some way, you know, and it's like, maybe it's a direct connection, maybe it's because they've affected a family member in some way, and we want to make sure they keep going. That is a brilliant thought process. It also takes the pressure off the nonprofit from having to think, okay, what do we say? It's more like just listen to what you're being told and make sure you're creating those connections in a meaningful way. Am I understanding you correctly? Yes. And then the 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 last step I would recommend, especially with startup nonprofits, and again, this goes back to just human psychology and human nature, is everyone wants to be thanked, acknowledged, appreciated. And so that that final step of thanking donors or thanking people for being interested is so important because that really creates connection. When you thank someone for their time, their efforts, their money, you thank them for being open to being affiliated, you you acknowledge their part in the process. That is such a powerful tool. And that, I mean, and then they will share that with even you know, their network and their community. And it just goes, my gosh, you know, I, I, you know, let's say, for example, I received this email from the CEO just thanking me. And it was just, gosh, you know, that small gesture meant the world. And then that person who hears it being like, oh, my gosh, I, I love that. You know, I donate to all these organizations that I don't hear. Hey, gosh, isn't that nice? I mean, it's just these small, just and I, again, I go back to simple. We overlook the simple. We take it for granted. We minimize the simple. Oh, well, that's so simple. And then you get complicated and you think complicated is better. Complicated is more amazing. But it's really, I mean, and when, you know, so I actually used to want to be a chef way back when. And, you know, in, in the culinary world, they say you got to make the perfect omelet. Doesn't matter. That's what they start out with. That's what they test you on. And if you can make the perfect omelet, then you can go on. But again, it all goes back to the simple. Well, that's a basic, yeah. So oh, I'm feeling so full of gratitude for you right now. It's powerful, which takes me off track. And now I'm thinking about omelets. <laughs> I'm thinking about omelets. Um, anyway, I love people. So here's, I think that's really smart. And regardless of that, I mean, it's if folks listening can go back and re-listen to what Stephanie just shared, it isn't a research project. It's a human project. It's a connection project. And if I think for me, as I've gotten more comfortable asking people um, and not being attached to the answer, right? I don't want, it's, the trick is like saying, I only want you to tell me this because that's what I'm prepared to hear. Um, just being open to it. 
And there are gems out there and people do like to be asked. And that thing you were talking about thanking people, I remember, and I've had this conversation with a couple of folks, like they donate, but they never know if it even got received, you know, like even an automatic receipt. Thank you. We received your donation, right? Good. I know it went where it was intended, but it's so nice to go, you know, because we got X amount of money from people like you, even if it's not that personal to me, this is what happened, right? Just like you made a difference. Yes. Um, because it otherwise it feels like you're just going into a void and there's so much that we can contribute to. There's so much noise. So I think that would be one of the wrapping questions for you, not the final, because I have a different one for you, but um, how do we stand out amongst the noise that's out there, whether we're in a presentation stage or communicating with funders or community members? Do you have a tip or two about that so we're not just more of the same noise? Yes, and I always encourage people, okay, so how do we stand out and shine? In this day and age of, you know, 24-hour messaging, it, it becomes white noise, and it is so easy to tune it out. And what I tell people, and again, and I love the word, Sarah, that you use, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exchange my word, which is simple, for yours, which is basic, because it's, it's going back to the basics. So this may seem basic to a lot of people, but it's about leaning into you. And what I, what I like to share with people, because it's true, but again, we don't think about it. There is only one Sarah Box in this entire universe. There never was one before you. There never will be after you. You are it. You are the one and only Sarah Box that ever was, ever will be. And when we think about ourselves in that light, how miraculous, how special, how amazing is that? That there's only one of us. And so because there's only one of us, our set of characteristics and personalities and strengths are unique to us. And I tell people, lean into that. You have to do the work to really, again, drill down into your own uniqueness. And you can do this as an individual. You can do this as a company, as a nonprofit, no matter how small or big it is. Again, determining, focusing, and identifying what are those unique characteristics, and there could be many. And then the next step is the editing process, which, you know, for me, I mean, I can talk for hours, I can write 500 pages, but to whittle it down is the hard part because we think every single component is important, which it is. but Again, your audience might not agree. So it's editing, editing all of that down into just several incredible, unique characteristics that are only because of you and your existence. And again, this is the same thing for nonprofits. Every nonprofit has their unique story, has their unique reason for being. And it's really leaning into it. It's like for the issue of homelessness. It's not about homelessness. It's tapping into why was this organization created in the first place? And it's not necessarily about the services that they offer, because again, an organization can offer very similar, if not identical. It's about drilling down into that unique story, that unique purpose, that unique why, and sharing that, because you will 
then automatically be different because your story is totally different from everyone else's. It's yours alone. And so that would be my response to anyone figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I make my, how do I separate, separate myself? How do I stand out? And that would be the process, the journey that I would recommend for anyone, any organization, any business to do. Kind of paradoxical because you're talking about how there's only ever going to be one of us as we are assembled in our DNA and all mm-hmm. of that, right, for all time. And yet we're saying, well, how do we stand out? I'm thinking, okay, but if there's only one of us, by, but within that context, we sh- already do stand out. So I kind of wonder if not what you're saying is how do you let who you are shine? Yes. And I also think that, and I, you know, I'll speak for myself is that, you know, in, in my TV career, there was only one Stephanie Quinio, but it was really these outside forces, whether it was consultants, whether it was bosses, whether it was the viewers that imposed that role on me. And I was so conditioned to put on that armor, if you will, every day that I almost forgot about. I, I you know, I forgot, I got lost. And it, it, sometimes when you don't have that compass, you don't even realize that you aren't shining in your authentic way. You think that you are, but really, and this is the hardest part, breaking free from that superimposed armor. No, you're not just another nonprofit that focuses on education, right? And it's, of course, it's so basic. We are all unique, and yet why do we all feel the same? And it's, again, taking, doing the work, acknowledging that, breaking free, and then, yes, you're so right, allowing our true authentic self to shine. It sounds so easy. Right. I mean, gosh, you can just do it in, like, you know, like oh, yeah. two minutes. No big deal. Everyone yeah. can do that. <laughs> Let's have a cup of coffee. It'll be handled by the end of the cup. Right. Um, so, Stephanie, I'm, I want to ask you to share. Um, you told me you have a free gift for people who are listening and want to reach out and get it. Do you remember yes. what that was? Yes, I actually have two. Oh, nice. So I'm just, I mean, I'm in an a, embarrassment of riches today. No. Well, so <laughs> one is, and this taps in, right? Some people like to read. Some people like to listen. So I do have a free ebook for everyone, and it's called Confident Connections, um, and it really focuses on mastering social skills. And I wrote this because a lot of people would come to me and they, they would say, Stephanie, okay, so I'm going to this event, I'm going to this party, and I just, I get really nervous, and I don't feel comfortable meeting strangers. Like, it's just not my thing. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to connect to people, and how do I do that? So I wrote this ebook to really just lay out that foundation. And then I have a free video. It's a mini masterclass and it's called communicate with confidence. And this one really focuses on your voice, your body language and your appearance, because again, you want to be your authentic self, but again, you know, you're not going to, you know, show up in sweats and just like have slang everywhere. So it's about, you know, it's really for the professional setting. You know, you're not going to be chewing gum at a job interview. So I can't show up in my baseball cap and my sweats that I wear on the weekend. You know, I wouldn't recommend it. And it's so funny because, and this is deviating, but when, when I was, you know, let's say in Boston and we would have very young college interns coming to a very uh, large TV market 
and I would see how they would interact communication but also what they would wear it's like again this is generational but these are basics and I'm thinking you're in a professional setting hopefully trying to make connections like what are you doing and I would take them aside and I would try and be nice and I'm like you can't wear tube tops you know I mean maybe if you're going out for coffee or maybe you shouldn't say those things in that way you know, it just, again, it's like, oh, goodness gracious. So anyway, so. <laughs> well, that's why we all need mentors. Right. Right. So right. Can, I mean, excuse me, you might not have considered this, but this is not going to project you where you want to go. Right. And I would, I mean, you know, the thing is, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a truth teller in, in a compassionate way. But again, it's, it's like having spinach in my teeth. Please tell me. In a nice way, of course, take me aside, privately share that I have spinach in my teeth. But I would rather have someone take me aside than have me walk around the entire day and people knowing but not sharing because that's really, I mean, just tell me. But, yes, yeah, so those are anyway, going off on that tangent, those are the two free gifts. This is what I love about you. You're so ready to go pivot anywhere, which also speaks to your ability to be effective in the work that you do. So let's, let's pivot. Um, we're going to have all your connection in the show notes. So folks listening, you know the drill. Go to the show notes. You can find Stephanie. We'll have it all over so it's easy for you. But I do want to say, you know, you've given your time to share here today. And once we go live with this, then other people can reflect back on you. But I want to ask you if you, A, had a chance to listen to a previous episode of one of our other guests, and if there was a particular guest episode and what you took away from it. Yes. So there was, and I'm I'm going to read the actual, um, the name of it. It's Dr. Um, Heather Penny. So hers was finding clarity, confidence, and courage. And I love, I mean, there were a lot of things that I loved about this podcast, but I want, I wrote two particular points down that I feel are so important. And the first one is, as she said, and these are chronological, but she says, positivity mandates some intentionality. And I love that. And as she said, it's easier to slide into negativity. Positivity mandates some intentionality. And we do. We need to be intentional. We need to be aware. And, you know, and, and part of the techniques that I do, which is giving gratitude, it's about reminding ourselves to be intentional. It's so easy to put ourselves on autopilot that we forget. We just run through the motions. But when she spoke about intentionality, I love that because we have to be. It's a muscle. Intentionality is a muscle that we need to practice and build. And she she mentioned it in the vein of positivity, but intentionality really with anything in our in our lives is so important because too often we are unintentional or we don't even think about what we do. It's just a response. So that's something. And the other thing that I really loved and I connected with her journey specifically as she transitioned from her careers is she spoke about clarity, but she said when she was applying for jobs and she wasn't getting a job, instead of asking, well, what's wrong with me? She shifted to, and she worked with a coach she mentioned, she shifted to, well, what's right with me? And 
again, so often we go to the negative, as she mentioned, right? Well, what's wrong? And I connected because and I'm just going to share a brief memory. When I was working in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, where it is bitterly cold, probably 80% of the year, and I was looking to get another job. And I was applying, applying, applying. And some of my peers, they were getting jobs right and left. And I thought I was pretty darn, you know, darn good with my job. And I remember taking a walk because I, I love to walk. It's wonderful for clearing the mind and, and meditating. I, I was taking a walk and I was on the phone with my older sister and I was crying. Like, I mean, probably anyone watching me from a window was like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, why is she such a mess? I'm like crying hysterically. And I, Catherine, what is wrong with me? I mean, I said those words. So Dr. Penny, yes, I feel you. And, and if I had switched to what was right with me, and again, that's why I say the biggest obstacles are our best opportunities. It took a while. But those obstacles of no answers and lots of rejections, what's wrong with me, is what was right with me because I ended up in the place that I was meant to be that really, I mean, it, it just changed the trajectory of my life. So, Dr. Penny, thank you for your words of wisdom. I mean, that's just one of many podcasts that I love, Sarah, but I, it, her words, her journey spoke to me. So, thank you. That's funny that you mentioned her because as you were talking about your daughter, you know, she wrote a book with her daughter. And I don't know if you remember that from the, well, her daughter was the inspirational, but I, I read the book. It's very simple. It's a, um, anyway, it's simple, but it's one of those ones that hits you right in your heart. And yeah. I was thinking, oh, I wonder if you would enjoy that with your daughter. And then you mentioned Dr. Penny. So I'm thinking, oh. Again, no go. coincidences, Sarah. No coincidences. No. She's such a, I mean, I really thought Heather was special in our, in the conversation and she really shines. She just shows up as herself now too. So that's a, that's a wonderful reflection and thanks. So as we're wrapping this up, Stephanie, what final words of wisdom or encouragement would you like to give our listeners? So I'm going to share this and then I want people to switch the you to I. So the words, and, and these are, these are little nuggets that I have come to understand and deeply appreciate through my journey, but you have it in you. And I would like anyone listening to then say to themselves, I have it in me. Because for my personal experience, I have often been my biggest hurdle. I have prevented myself from believing and achieving. And I've had it in me this whole time through whatever, you know, seminal moment that I've that I've gone through. I've had it in me. It's been here all along. We have to recognize it, awaken it, cherish it, nurture it, embrace it, celebrate it, share it. So that would be one. And then to that same vein, and I'm not going to take credit for it because it's a dear friend of mine. She is a, a licensed therapist. She says, I am built for this. And anyone going through a challenging time, I want you to really think about that because you are built for this. You are built to not only 
go through this, endure this, but you are meant to go beyond it and succeed and achieve. So those are just the two little things that I would I would really want to to share because again I've had personal experience with both and again it seems so basic but it is so powerful. The basic is powerful. Stephanie, thanks so much for being a guest. I do not believe this will be our last conversation together or even with folks who want to go further in your work or even something different. We'll see what emerges um, because there probably will be other things come up. Folks, if you gained benefit from this podcast, which I can't imagine you didn't, please share this link with a friend, someone you think should hear Stephanie's message of encouragement, of being yourself, of getting your message out there with clarity and confidence. Um, reach out to Stephanie, grab the two free gifts, whether you're a listener or a reader or both, and make sure one of your friends gets it too, because sharing is caring. So let's get those out there, and then we'll see you back here next week for another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.